Chris. G'day, Frank. How are you? Really hey, Tom. good. Tom. Hey, Marcus. Oh, gentlemen, when did you get here? Oh, good Marcus to see and you guys. Tom are here. Oh, we just turned the lights on. Being pals. That's so I can now say good afternoon, all. Hello. Because <sighs> everyone's here. Good afternoon, all. Welcome to the podcast, Throwing the Power. My name is Francis. My name's Thomas. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. We're talking about American Psycho on the podcast, Throwing the Power, the podcast where we talk about movies and, and debate our opinions and have a, um, a machine gun Kelly fight. Yeah. Machine Gun Kelly? Each week it's a weapon and he's a weapon of rap. So you're talking about uh, Megan Fox's fiance, Machine Gun Kelly. I know him as the singer of Emo Girl. The pop punk starlet that he's become, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Really interesting name drop you're going for here. (laughs) So we talk about. familiar with this person. You don't need to. Don't don't look him up. Okay. He's not worth your time. Cool. Done. So. He was in the new Jackass movie. He was. Stop. Embarrassing. I'm, I shouldn't have brought him up. I'm sorry. No, I think Oscar I'm nominated. Should he should have been. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the podcast throwing the pal. We're talking about American Psycho. We are, which I thought was a documentary starring Frank. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least two things wrong with that title. <laughs> I am not American. Australian Although, bitch boy might I, have gone better, I think. <laughs> I, li- I lived in America, as listened to the pub will know. I went to Maine. I uh, saw a lighthouse. Australian bitch boys. Uh, I'm trying to move Bitch boys. <laughs> I love you, Francis. I'm sorry. Does someone else want to describe the film? Because I'm now yeah, sorry. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. That was hard. American Psycho is a 2000s movie uh, from the year 2000 directed by Mary Harron. It is starring Christian Bale in... Uh, you know, his star-making role. Seminal, you could say. A hey, seminal hey. film and a seminal Ooh. performance. We rate these movies out of 11. Why, Tom? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> quoting Patrick. Should I go? Yeah, because uh, quoting Patrick Bateman, he, uh, he's got to return 11 videotapes. Uh, he does return a lot of videotapes. In yeah. That was movie. a good one. That's better than what Tom's been doing the last couple. It probably couple. is going to be better than what mine. Got, what do you got? Mine was quoting him when he wakes up in the morning in his morning routine. And he oh. goes like, sometimes I'll wear an ice pack on my face if it's puffy. Then I'll do my stomach crunches. I can do 11 of them now. <laughs> Just how many I can so do. So that's what you're at. Can I? With, with, a, with a minute break. Yeah. I can do one. One. And then an hour. And then another one. PB. PB. Most of PB. Most of the time it's 11 just lunges to get out of bed. It's just like. To reach over to that next Tim Tam. I have a little tidbit for the listener. So Thomas texts me. He's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm just hanging out. I'm just watching American Psycho for the pod. Uh, and I've been doing some crunches while watching it. I've been inspired. And I was like, I hope that's the only thing that inspired you. I have to admit, I did. I was, so we had some electricians come to the house last Monday. And you wanted and to impress them. I had to impress them. Humble brag. <laughs> to, the can second, afford can an electrician afford, in this market. In this economy. Uh, they had to shut off the power for six hours while they were doing things that needed doing. And so I had to go into the bedroom with my laptop and uh, look I'm after sorry. the cat. Go they on. weren't crunches. That was you rocking back and forth in the <laughs> Waiting corner. Waiting for them to leave. <laughs> <laughs> the <social> no internet. <laughs> I'm like, as long as they don't ask me anything technical. He's like, so is this a light switch? <laughs> but I decided, I was like, well, I'll watch this movie. And I'm in my bedroom like, I've not been exercising very much lately. I'm going to. The second I saw him doing stuff, I'm like, I'll do a little bit of exercise. And I did think it was very fucking strange uh, behaviour to emulate in this movie <laughs> to exercise when this man is exercising. It's the best thing you could do. While the electrician's standing there watching you. Yes, yes. and yes. he's just begging me to tell him where the light fixture <laughs> is. <laughs> You're like, hold like, on, I better get to a thousand. <laughs> I'm on. sorry, we have more problems than that. We have Sri Lanka, you know. Sorry, I just love Patrick Bateman's when we, accent. When we were this. kids, we had, uh, you know, things like aerobic Oz style on TV. So yeah. working along with what Patrick you're watching Bateman. on a screen. 
That's perfectly it. legit. Which is what he does. He's doing his crunches whilst watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hey. Gets inspired. So everyone's and getting inspired. hardcore pornography some of the time as well. Unrelatable. Before we get tucked um, into this too, we uh, we got to see Chris play a Patrick Bateman-esque uh, character on stage. I've heard about this. Years back. Oh, oh is this the Rubik's shit. Cube monologue guy? It yeah, was. It Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I don't know if you know this, but Chris Vernon, incredible actor, did a monologue whilst every night solving a Rubik's Cube. Was it a solve uh, every night? No, I missed one. Oh. I, think I, I think I missed opening night. Nah, never mind then. We'll the move on. It was good until you said that. That's a dress run. I'm yeah. kidding. Very impressive stuff. What kind of character was it? Like what was the- do, Patrick what was Bateman the, star. Okay. No, oh, star. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. American and um, psycho. Self-obsessed, narcissistic, <laughs> fitness. Oh, so that's why you think it's like me. Socially disconnected- it ticks yeah. all the boxes. You could say Marcus. It's yeah. fine. I have all the men. Apparently, I'm going to say Frank. Swap the insults around the room in a circle. I know we're all doing it. And none of us gave it to Tom because he's not uh, that good. Looking. I think we were all talking about me crying in front of an electrician like 20 seconds ago. That's not. That's not. That's just fact. That's what happens. That's just what I do. What was the play though? Do you like? Do you know what it was from in particular? Uh, it was, it was called The Cortex. Okay. Uh, shout out to Hannah Malarski, oh, the wonderful Hannah Malarski, oh. who wrote and directed it. Great. Um, essentially, it was. Three monologue esque performances throughout the the, the piece, um, mm. different neurological conditions for each of the three. And you were narcissistic. Oof. Down that line, and then yeah. some. Okay, yeah, but two times. Bits no. with no. Patrick Bateman. Some, some say I'm still method. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't emulating Patrick Bateman though, because it, I think a lot of Hannah gave me this to watch ah, as research cool, cool, cool. for it, but then you know. Make it your own, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we digress. So it's written, uh, well, the, it's based on the novel written by Brett Easton Ellis. Yes, which um, took a while. It was written and published in like 91. So yeah. it, took, it was up for options. Look, there are so many. Well, let's go back. Hands up who liked this film. Let's do that. Hands up who liked this film. <laughs> hands are up for two of you, Marcus and Thomas. Hands up and Chris and I hands very, or well, mine is down. Mine's like down really low. Did you just ask for your, like where your hands Frank, Frank, Frank <laughs> where's your hand? Where's my hand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get 4.5. Okay. Are you playing the sword? Yeah, nice. okay. I'm, I'm, I watched this and I immediately felt I, I need to watch this again, but mm. I don't want to. Mm. So I'm kind of, I don't know, like okay. right down the middle at a six. <laughs> Or a 5.5 Depends how you want to read it That's You cool. tweeted us it's Let us six. know it's Someone please tweeted us Someone That's tell us about math Please For the love of God so you're Okay so you just, you're sort of in the middle Not really sure I'm hoping to come out of this with Yeah uh, I'd love someone to tell me What's going way. on And oh, really? why is it in, do you, Why is it Do appealing? you actually feel that way No I understand it Okay I just don't really like it I don't sure. know I, I, Christian Bale is Fantastic Sociopathic. What a great, mm. what a great time that he had. But he's you all too. Sorry. You. <laughs> what would you go, Marcus? Uh, I'm giving this uh, an eight point seven. Really? Oh, your favourite film ever. Favourite of all time. And Thomas. This is an eleven. What? Oh. Yeah. What? This is one of my favourite movies. I, I really could see you this. lining this up, but yeah. I didn't realise. I was like, I don't know where this is going to fall for everyone else. He's this sitting is very giddy. Very, very easily one of my favourite movies. Yeah, I love oh it. Oh, my God. 
Okay. Where um, do we go from I'm here? I'm taken aback. I, it can't be an 11. <laughs> it's just not that good. Oh, oh. Well, I guess we can't. I see that. Just insert noise. Here's my argument. Here's a counter. Here's my argument for you, Thomas. Go for it. You must be an idiot because you're wrong. Is that it? That's enough. Jesus. Turn his mic off. He's done. I'm sorry. I apologize. Justin Thoreau is very good at this. Justin throws a lot of fun in this. It's got to be one of his earliest roles. You know, yeah. he he probably hadn't done a lot before this. Probably a bit of writing. He plays. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember anyone's name, kind of by design, because they all have these very white. He's Timothy Bryce. Names. Timothy Bryce. Timothy's the only interesting person. Vice I know. President. Yes, he is. Um, For the listener, Thomas chose this film. I did. I did. This was one of my picks for uh, a particular reason. I. I think it's a really compelling movie and I thought that it would be a little bit divisive and more so than I was expecting. I was expecting it to kind of be like one of us not really liking it, the other's pretty much enjoying it and me loving it. So I didn't expect this much of a spread, which cool. I think is great. Mm. Did you think I would not like it? Uh, I, or you thought I was smarter than that? I don't, I, my counter to you <laughs> thinking that I'm an idiot for liking this movie is Are you an idiot maybe for... that you just pee peed your pants <laughs> a little too many times while watching this film. I didn't like the murder scenes. You didn't? Okay. No, they made me pee pee. That's fair enough. I also find it a very interesting movie for being... Uh, where it is in the culture and the history of movies coming at the time as it did for Christian Bale, Mary Harron having directed this mm. and it being such a an easy to misunderstand or sort of go at the, the, the glossiest elements of and see as like a male fantasy and a chauvinistic sort of misogynistic film. And it I do not think is at all. And I think no. the whole point of it is that she upends it despite the fact that and I won't get into this too much, but I did read Brett Easton Ellis's book when I was younger. And that is well, that's telling a very uh, hard hard to square sort of uh, book with with what he was saying because it is a much more graphic and a much more and clearly it, sort of like based in an internalized misogyny that he doesn't really deny in having no he's it. he said didn't he say like originally oh it's based on my father and then he then came out and said no it's actually based on me he's like these are feelings it's, I was having and if I didn't write it I was gonna do it and everyone was like what and he's like don't worry about it and no, it's yeah. like well, but, but I read um, it I read it it's fine yeah it's fine having but, yeah. not read the book I do know some um, choice scenes in the book that I'm very very glad weren't Ad, uh, adapted, sorry, to film. I I do not even want to get into it because it's so awful. But yeah. I have rarely read anything before that literally has made me. I have a vivid core memory of myself reading this book when I was about nineteen, and I threw the book. I was just like, I was about to say, nope. At what <laughs> like, age? There was a scene that is so mm. horrific, and one I of the most the interesting aspects of this movie is the suggestive violence behind it. No matter what you think you see in this film, you didn't see it. You do not see no. anything really happen. You see actions and consequences. You see no actual kinetic connection between the violent action, intent and it, it occurring. Like yeah. the cause and effect is shown, but that intercession is not there. And There's it's a, lot a of fantastic theories. movie. You see, you yeah, see, yeah, you see a lot of blood. You see a lot of swinging of things and, and actions, but you'd never see the... A lot of sound effects. You don't see an axe go into Jared Leto's head. No, no, you, no. You, hear, you see him swing... You hear the thud and, and then you see it like the side of a body hit the ground. And you see blood splash. But splash. that's it. But I, if I'm not mistaken in the book, and sorry to bring up your trauma, but like, okay. and that's not even the worst scene, but that is described in detail how he chops him up and stuff like that. Is that correct? I think that's one of the 
Is that the scenes? Yeah, it? yeah. There's some pretty ho- horrific. <laughs> the the thing about this movie is that the acts of violence are so pointedly against women. It, the sexual yes. violence is where it's really confronting. Yes, very much and so this in this like, movie and in the book. Yeah. yeah. And this film's such a great depiction of like toxic masculinity, but what makes it more interesting is that it is directed by a woman. Um. Yeah, and it's a lot to take on board. And that she found the humour in it. There's a big interview between... Mm. There's, we'll get into the context of how of course. Uh, Christian Bale came about having this role and how Mary Harron ended up with it as well. But he says that the reason she wanted him for it is they were doing reads for it and he was auditioning and they were both pissing themselves laughing. He was, the, o- like, he was the only one who thought it was she's funny. Like, no one else gets that this is a satire. Everyone else comes in here and tries to play this like... This is a really gripping, compelling antihero, and you get that he's a fucking dickhead. And he's like, "Yeah, of course he is. I've read it. Which <laughs> like, is, I understand." What not it- to not to shit on Christian Bale, wonderful actor, but he's had a lot of controversies in in his life mm. where he's mm. been aggressive, uh, violent, has he's outbursts. Infuriatingly brilliant. Ah, oh. like he's such he's a one good of the, he's one of the greatest of our of our time. You're Do you want to meet him? Yeah. Course, yeah, I would want to meet him. Okay. I, I because can honestly say that as well, which is weird because most actors you could ask that about me and I wouldn't. Would you like, want to meet Jared, meet Jared Leto? Uh, not again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still Worst was like recovering. Worst backstage pass I've That's ever it. had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to see 30 Seconds to Mars. I was so excited. <laughs> um, anyway. But yeah, there's there's a lot going on in this film. But what did you really not like about it? I just feel like... <laughs> It's meant to be this dark comedy and a satirical commentary on masculinity, greed, uh, commercialism, yada, yada of like the 80s era in America, right? It just sort of, it ends up being this not very funny, even though some of the moments, like at one point Christian Bale is literally doing a Jim Carrey impression when he's like, Huey Lewis in the news, some of that greater work and he's doing the dancing and it's like, you're trying to be Jim Carrey, it's not really working for me. And then the violence, I don't I don't know. I just feel like none of it hit as hard as it should. It didn't feel, it, honestly, I didn't peep in my pants. It didn't scare me and it didn't make me laugh. I just sort of sat down the middle the entire time going, yeah, okay. Did it make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah, of course it did. Okay. But not to a point where it's like, oh, I wasn't squirming in my seat. Sure. And normally I'm quite a visceral sort of, when I watch a film, I react and I just I just didn't really have any reactions emotionally to the film. <laughs> That's telling. Um. <laughs> I think I, I mentioned something and this is not going to be the first time I'll drop in about a movie that we've talked about previously but with Joker that there is a discomfort to that movie that doesn't work for me because it doesn't become an elevated discomfort. It just is a sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm sort of – I'm not – Feeling good watching this, but that doesn't compel me. It doesn't. It doesn't make me want to keep watching it. Whereas there is such a level to this movie where I, I find so much of what he does, so much of his like performative nature and his clear psychosis that starts to sort of leak out, and his interactions are really, really discomforting. But in a way that I'm like giddy watching it as well. So I understand, but I understand if it doesn't work on that way for you. But yeah, but like then if I go like in like. If we watch a certain scene in a vacuum, or if we if we have if we take parts of it out, Christian Bale is exceptional. I, like I can't fault any of the performances. I can't fault the script or or the direction or the style of it. Like I feel like it's well made, all that sort of stuff. But I just, on the whole, I've I finished the film and I went, okay. You raise Joker. Mm-hmm. That's it's a film we recently did on the pod. 
in that film, a film like Joker, Taxi Driver, even Midnight Cowboy, you're on a descent with the characters. You're following them down into hell. When we meet Christian Bale's character, he's already down there. That's right. And so there is a, for me watching it, there was a disconnect. So I'm like, I haven't travelled this path with you, so it's difficult to relate to you. But I think that is by design. It's, It's about a social disconnect. But just for me as the viewer, it made it difficult to relate and to get on board with the film. It would have been nice if we'd had a few more scenes up top where Christian Bale's out or at a, at a business meeting or whatever it is and he's quite normal that charming and that, that glued-on smile that he has. And you see that, like him playing the game of a businessman because you go, okay, cool, he can, he can do it and we sort of buy into his world. And then if we see, and, and I think the film tries to do this, and, you know, I'm not an expert, but he, he, there are scenes where it, you do have flashes of madness and you go, oh, Oh, where did that come from? But like Chris said, he's already down the path, whereas you want to sort of start at the gate. I mean, who's mm. to say that he hasn't always been like that? Like by design, as you said before. But like I think that he, to me, this is um, showing he, he works on his base needs more than any other man. Like he's, he's, he's acting upon his fantasies, his obsessions, his, I mean, this, this is all it is. And that, there's a lot of theories around that too about that. You know, is it all happening? Is it is it just all internalised and he's not actually doing all these graphic, awful things that we see him doing? Mm. Um, it's just he's fantasising every day about what he wants to do impulsively. Do we have an answer on that? Do we feel like... Because I don't think... There are other scenes towards the end of the film where he's shooting at the cops and getting chased by the cops. I'm like, don't you fucking dare do this. It's all in his head. Like, don't... It, You've worked too hard to do that. Yes. Even though I'm not particularly enjoying it, I can still tell that you've put in, as you say, there's a great effort has gone into making this film, yeah. but that would have just cheapened it so like, much. Because they, they almost do it, the scene where he meets his lawyer and he's like, oh, you're, you're Marcus. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm Patrick Bateman. I killed, those, I killed Paul Allen. Like he mm, does all that mm, stuff. Mm. And then the lawyer's like, <laughs> you're hilarious. And there's no consequence. And you go, it... It's, it can't be in his head, but is it is it a statement on the fact that these people in their ivory towers are so rich and disconnected? They're like, I don't care. It's a good joke. Like, can't it though? Can't it be in his head? This is the only time in a film where I'm like that. To me, it feels like a better film, knowing that these are all fantasies of his, and he never acted upon them. Nah, I don't. I don't think so. The I think scene it would be with the. Uh, what turns into be a inspection of the apartment where he's been hiding bodies in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. The real estate agent is insinuating that she knows what was in there and knows what has happened. She's like, just never come back here. And that says to me as a viewer, this is real because okay. she is doing all that she can to get on with her life and sell this apartment. That is her number one goal is to sell the apartment. She doesn't this care what happens. Real. She's like, get me the commission. Yeah. I just yeah. want the money. Yeah. So that, that to me says it's real and not in his head. Cool. But it, same the, with, the way it was angling towards the end, I'm like, don't you fucking dare. Same with the scene, mm. I mean, all the scenes with, jo- is it Joan or Jean? Uh, his secretary? Yeah. I believe her name's Jean. It's Chloe Sevigny playing her. Yeah, she's wonderful. So, yeah, Jean, the scene where she discovers his, his notebook, Day Planner, 
and it it spirals. Like here's an appointment and then one appointment's where he's like, I'm going to kill this person. And then it just, every page he, mm. she turns is just more and more horrible drawings. Like she's having a realisation that, oh, yep, he was about to kill me at, that, at his apartment. And I mean, again, that could just be him drawing crazy stuff. But I feel like the intention is we assume she discovers that he's crazy and has killed Paul Allen and has done all these horrible things. Mm. I just, mm. I think everything about it is pointed to the fact that the the Wall Street world and the detectives and everyone ignores the fact that he's actually done these horrible things. It's like ignorance is bliss as opposed to it's in his mind. I'd prefer that as an ending as opposed to it's a dream. Mm. That's what I'm saying. I can see Thomas is loaded up. I, I'm i going to let you go. Um, but I also feel that this film has aged very, very well. I agree. As opposed, yeah. the, the memes of this film okay. are this is one of the Ooh. most like I can talk with some of my young students who are like 13 or 14 mm. and show them a photo and they're like, oh, it's that guy from the meme because the one of him sure. walking through um, the hallway at the start with his headphones on. Yeah. When and he's listening to Walking on Sunshine, which yes. has become the meme of like in my headphones it's like, this. The Saddle Club theme and yeah. then you're like on the outside. You're it's like, like me after taking the biggest dump in the office that day like in the queue and just like walking through the office sort of with your headphones <laughs> on or like weird it's – that's, <laughs> that's just you. I come that. to your guy's office just to do that and then I leave <laughs> with my headphones Humble on. Humble brag? Yeah. yeah. But it's like it's used in um, – it's used for video game memes a lot weirdly where it's like me walking into Kaled for the first time in Elden yeah, Ring yeah, and him yeah, just yeah. with the headphones yeah, on or something. Me but, walking into bed. Bowser, you know, like classic Mario <laughs> reference. You know, I get it. I get it. Um, it's a social commentary on influences today as well, though. If you look at like social status and self of um, how many influences you know who self obsession. Uh, look, they, I'm convinced that if people were told by eating human brains, it would somehow empower them. Yeah, okay. they would. Okay, I, yeah. there's, there's going to be some Patrick Batemans <laughs> out there somewhere. I'm telling you now. His skincare routine is not far from. Yours standard. Yeah, yes. Hundred percent. Not mine. Not mine. The we should circle back to like as much as we love you dearly, and like Marcus said this at the start. Debatable. not compare. There me. was just <laughs> when, he's, when he's doing the early morning routine. I'm sure all three of us were just like, "Well, who out of the four of this is this most like? Mm. <laughs> like, this is not me." There is a reason he I gets up that. at five thirty. Yes, it's not to go to the gym. <laughs> That's the excuse. And it's, yeah, I went to the gym and I didn't. I just and had it's a ice pack on my face. You said to me the other day, I put some cologne on. You were like, "You know, you should use a low alcohol cologne." Because alcohol dries out your face and makes you look older. And then you did like five shots of Jaeger in front of me at the same time as well. So it was a conflicting oh, moment. That doesn't sound like me. I think it does. Because I use a wax-based cologne. Anyway. I use a crystal. <laughs> um, I think he's, uh, there's so many things you guys have said. and I'm, Go I'm on, Tom. Let's go. Jump into it. And go. Uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? They, they hosted the Golden Globes years ago and they made a jab about the fact that so many British actors were taking American roles. Like it was a playful jab, but like we're taking American roles in movies and TV shows. And Amy Poehler's like, oh, yeah, they're so good. I can't tell when they talk like this that they're British because they talk like this so well. And she's like doing that. Stop over doing the an top. American accent. Right. Over the top American accent. Yeah. His. American accent in this is one of my favourite accents ever because he is doing the over-the-top, this is what an American sounds like. Like, come on, buddy, can we uh, cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks? You know, And, yes, you're right, it is a little Jim Carrey-esque. It has that sort of 
very, very uh, enunciative take to it. Huge jaw but movement. so much of what he does in this movie, you know, and, and some of the things he says to people is really, really heightened and made much funnier just by, and again, I know I said it right at the outset, but when he's talking and they're all out at dinner and he says to Timothy, come on, Timothy. I think we have bigger problems than Sri Lanka. You know, the pronunciation <laughs> yes. of Sri Lanka is so good. He so often finds these moments when he confronts the homeless guy on the street. Hey, Al, get a job, you, Al. Yeah. You know, you know, you smell. Do you know that? Do you and know that you smell? His fucking rant to Jared Leto about uh, Huey, Huey, Lewis. Huey Lewis and the news. No, Paul. <laughs> yes, it is, Paul. But it's not just a song about the joys of conformity. It's a song about the identity of the band themselves. Hey, Paul! And then Try he- getting a table in Dorsier <laughs> now, you fucking bastard! He's so good. Jesus. And then he attacks him. I mean, yes, one of the greatest things in this movie, if, I mean, by a thousand times, is Christian Bauer's performance. He's so good. He's exceptional well, he in this. the film. Yes. Well, it doesn't work without him, without the commitment, and it's a strange thing to say and it's a point that got thrown out a lot when the movie came out and I think it's one that people talk about now, is that for all the sh- like surface vanity of it, he looks incredible, obviously. Like he worked to look how good he does in this yeah, movie. Yeah, pal, you look good. He's not as no, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, Mark, you look good in this movie, Frank. Well, this, is, this is the first, the, like Christian Bale is known for transforming his body. And this yes. is the first one that well, he did. Well, the last big movie he was in, he was a child. And in this, he's an adult. Like, Empire of the Sun. That's a real, that's <laughs> Wait, a transformation. Oh, if no. I've seen one. I think, the there's, I think there's Newsies in between that. I was going to say, there's got to be some films in there. What did he do in between? Somewhere. Newsies. Surely Disney didn't jump from Empire to I don't American think he Psycho. did anything. You're saying Newsies <laughs> as if it's a known thing, Frank. Like okay. someone give yeah. me a role. Newsies. Santa Fe. <laughs> Come on. The script as for American it? Psycho landed on his desk as a 12-year-old <laughs> and he went, right, I'm going to spend 15 years getting, getting ready, ready for this. this. One yes. crunch a day. <laughs> That's not enough. <laughs> anyway, I could do yes. a thousand now if I have a thousand days to do. <laughs> he does look amazing, and then obviously he's gone on to do the Machinist. Yes, and then bulk Lost back up to Batman. Weight, put it on again for, for Vice when he played Dick Cheney. Put a lot of weight on, but for this role, for him to look, Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney, <laughs> for him to look so uh, look so Calvin Klein esque, like as an underwear model in this, he's still so deplorable in the way he behaves and there's no vanity to there's no there's obviously no point he said to Mary Harron like oh that will make me unlikable it's like no he just fully threw himself into the despicable actions he knew and the assignment the, yes he understood mm. perfectly mm. um well they they might have made him get dental work for this like he got dental work for the film and well, he's it's, English, it's right? Not, it's not so. sure. <laughs> he's well. Well, they had to do something. But he had basically he did but he had bad teeth. He had bad teeth and they went, Let's fix your teeth. And it All right, in it. I guess our best. That's a Welsh accent, right? Oi. What's your dentist? <laughs> Governor. <laughs> Oh, we we, oh, we, uh, we did Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean of a course, teeth uh, wizard? <laughs> I'll go see the teeth wizard. Uh, was, uh, of course, ah. the of course the greatest toil in South Wales until recently was in the steelworks. That was the line we had to almost, like, nail. Almost sound South African. It's a very different accent, and it's very <laughs> weird when you hear Christian Bale speak. He doesn't sound. 
whatever typically Welsh sounds like because he's kind of got this bastardized American-ish voice because of just he's his, been around so his long. life. Like and like on, on his, I mean, the, the story is that he was American on set from day one, mm-hmm. and then the rap party comes and he's doing his Welsh accent. And they're like, "What? Are you, who? What hey, character yeah. are you right yeah. now?" Yeah. Like, not used to it. It is really jarring when you didn't realize he was English. Most people still don't. What is he in where he uses his real accent? Like pick, tell me a movie where Christian Bale doesn't plays, put on an accent. I think his Batman voice is his real voice, right? Pres- yes, is that's he English it. And a prestige? Where is he? Uh, prestige? I'm not wearing hockey you know, pants. I think, <laughs> I think they're American in the Prestige. Ah, prestige, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. I've definitely seen it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's interesting. Heard it? Heard it? I saw him speak. Yes. And then heard it. <laughs> <laughs> he was on um, mute, but it's God, an, it's an interview. You're doing an interview. Yeah. This film, anyway. to me, achieved what Promising Young Woman didn't. Okay. that's In terms of please go the depiction of, of again, toxic masculinity and um, male behaviour and everything wrong with that sort of that our gender, basically. Um. That's what there was a lot more danger in this film and a lot more tension, and I just enjoyed this a lot more when the same message was almost being conveyed in a different way. Mm-hmm. Different stories completely. I'm not comparing them. It's apples and pears, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's and it's using a sort of reversion of the male gaze that you'd normally get because mm-hmm. a lot of this film relies on very sexualized tropes of women. You know, he mm. picks up two different uh, sex workers and has a very – the way – one of my favourite things about that sex scene, there's a lot going on there, but it's almost like him trying to direct it. Like it's like this is how a man would direct his own sex scene yes. and it's him just like pointing in the mirror, giving himself <laughs> a thumbs up and winking and he's just like, yeah, look at me, check me out. And it's just like the women, they're kind of like this is weird. He's definitely the star of that sex scene and it's so funny how the the two um, sex workers in that scene are just sort of like they do keep checking like each, like not each other, but they're just like, is this is this really happening? Is he, is he doing that? Is that what's mm. going on? It's because he's an alien. Like the thing that I love about his performance in this so much is, as he says from the start, there is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. And while you can grip my hand and feel cold flesh gripping yours Warm and maybe mm, and maybe sense that our lifestyles are comparable, I am simply not there. And it's like, oh yeah, he's like he's not a real person. He 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 had, does not have the basic uh, composite apathy, uh, apathy, empathy, and compassion that, of of another person. There is a line in there somewhere about appearing human or or being. Yes, human. my human mask is beginning to slip. Yeah. My mm, nightly bloodlust yeah. is turning into my days. Right, and I think that there's a lot of clever stuff going on there. We haven't even really talked about the fact that this is like an. A, satire and a sort of critique on 80s uh, sort of corporate life. The idea of just like these guys who all look the fucking same, they can't tell each other apart. Every scene he's in, someone calls him a different name unless he's with Van Patten. Because they think he looks like Jared Leto, right? They, they, they think he's, someone knows. thinks he's Paul Allen at one point. That's it. But then someone also thinks he's Marcus How- Halberstrom. Mm. Halberstrom and it cuts to a shot of him and you're like, I get it. And it because but, they're, but they're all wearing the exact, uh, the exact same glasses, the yes. exact same suit. And then the business card scene, which causes Patrick <gasps> oh, Bateman to break uh, down. They're like, hilarious. I notice the, 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 the off white color. It has a watermark. It has a watermark. Yeah. Patrick, you're sweating. <laughs> it's so funny how I seriously agree. they take this. I cannot think of many other examples of like critiques and like 
yeah, parodies of of uh, corporate culture and materialism as funny as like guys getting out their business cards. Yeah, and well, it's, it's like, a f- breaking down if theirs isn't. They might as well be pulling their cops. Exactly, out, right? it's like, looking and it's going like yours is a slightly nicer shade than mine, and just like freaking out because it's yeah. not well, the, quite. And the, stop cupping your hand like the, that. Like, I needed you to know. <laughs> the Sorry. sound effect each time a business comes business card comes out is like it's a sword being unsheathed. It's incredibly Another good. phallic symbol. Yes. Well, absolutely. Great yeah. sound work on this in the sound editing. Like it's really like you can hear his pulse in his head during those sequences. Also Christian Bale, I know they might have like sprayed him down with, with water to make him look sweaty, but he pumps up the veins on his temple. Like the intensity he has whilst keeping – a calm demeanor mm. is incredible. You know, there's you know those moments where someone like tries to make themselves faint and they go mm. and make their head red. It's like he does that in every scene, that but then can still act looking like Alvin from the Chipmunks, like it's- you just did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the other movie I thought I recognized you from. Yeah. No, he's he's incredibly good at that uh, quiet intensity, and he he yes. only lets it out every so often, but. I think as much as we've talked about this being a surprisingly feminist critique being by Mary Harron, I don't think that she comes at it trying to do what probably would have been a very tempting thing for a woman directing a fairly reputable film. I mean, it only was like $7 million budget, right? But it was a pretty hot book. There's a, there's a lot of talk. A lot of people it, wanted to make sure. this. Johnny Depp wanted to make it. Leo wanted to make it. You know, there was talk Oliver of like Stone Oliver Stone almost yeah. directed it. Mary and Christian both got fired and then brought back. And mm. if you guys have seen his GQ, was it, his interview, where he talks about the fact that Mary called him one day and was like, oh, we're not going to get to do it. And he's like, oh, no, we are. And she's like, oh, that's great, Christian, but we're not. He's like. Yeah, we are. And, and he, he just kept working out and just learning the lines. And one day she called him. She's like, we've got the movie back. He's like, I know. Like He just <laughs> manifested it. was like, no, <laughs> we're going to do it. He was he, killing people behind the scenes. Basically, <laughs> you know, he was really. He at one, I forget who it was, but he calls another actor. I don't know who it was. I'm sorry. But he calls them and talks them out of auditioning. He was like, no, no, no. You don't want to do this. Like, this is not for you. This is not right. It's a bad choice, blah, blah, blah. And then goes, no, but because I'm going to do I like pushes it. him out That's of the way. That's some shit Arnie used to do when he was like Mr. World or Mr. Universe, What like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He yeah. used to like mind fuck people to make yeah. sure he'd win the competition. And so. then fuck fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're not the housekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk shit about Arnie. He's a good man. He tried his best. He tried his best. We uh, we haven't talked about, yeah, maybe one of my favourite interactions in this movie that it keeps sort of weirdly hinging on is him and Willem Dafoe. Mm. Willem Dafoe's character is fantastic. It's a bit of like folklore or not folklore, but it's just kind of like a narrative that's so attached to this film you can't get away from it, but maybe one of you guys hasn't heard it. But the way Mary Harron directed Willem Dafoe was we're going to do three takes of each scene. Yeah, I've heard this. In one take, you know he's the killer. In another take, you suspect it's him. In another take, you don't suspect him at all. Mm. And they splice his different takes into the movie. So there are some like sudden moments where Willem Dafoe's just staring at him just like, oh, yeah, I know it's you. And then there's other moments where he's like, how the fuck is this guy so oblivious? And it's just because he kept using different versions. to the credit of Willem Dafoe just being one of the greatest actors on the planet. totally willing to do that because some actors would have been like, why are you fucking with me like this? That's not it. That doesn't give my character integrity. And he's like, I'm a tool. You use me exactly how you need to. Genius. And it it works. Oh, he's so good and he's fucking little lines on his face when he smiles. He looks looks incredible. He's amazing. I read a really great review uh, and they said... um, 
When Bateman kills, it is not with the zeal of a villain from a slasher movie. It is with the thoroughness of a hobbyist. Cool. Do you know who wrote that? Right. Anonymous. Interesting. I think that was Thomas. That might have been Frank. It was Christian. (laughs) Christian Bale. (laughs) Christian Bale. It was Christian Bale wrote that. Um, I think it was a great line because it's accurate. It's true. He's he's a guy who's very committed to this life, but it's like the way that it starts to sort of unfold for him and. And who he does and doesn't kill and the decisions he makes in that way are, are totally are very interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, thank God he doesn't kill Jean. Yeah. That scene where she, he invites her over for drinks pre-dinner where he doesn't have a reservation and he gets out the nail gun mm. and he's standing behind her mm. and then thank God the phone rings, Reese, Reese with the spoons, they're like blah, 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 leaves a message and he just puts the nail gun down. It's like. Do you think he actually loves her? There's a part no, of me that love. thinks he no, but like in his own gene, she's the only person who shows him anything like unalloyed and totally like like devotion, devotion without yeah. any sort of exchange. There is nothing yeah. about their relationship, even though she it's not, wor- even yeah. though she works for him. But it's not based on vanity or a, a drive to she, like. I don't think she really wants to date him or have sex with him. Mm-hmm. She, she respects him, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. there's no, there's nothing she gets out of showing that devotion and commitment to him. And if anything, it does her worse harm to like be in that position. But she's, she doesn't feel any sort of. There's a fucking word that's sitting like at the front of my mind, and I'll get to it at some point, I'm sure. But like, psycho. There is nothing. Yeah, American. That's it. American shit. My bad. <laughs> there is no notion of that sort of. Yeah. There's no currency between them in there, and she's so genuinely caught up in who he is as a person in that scene. And I agree with you. I think it's a very funny, almost bit of almost slapstick, like throwback 1920s silent film humour to constantly have him having things that she doesn't see, the fucking nail gun. And then she's like, what's that you got there? Oh, duct tape. Duct tape. I might have to tape something. And then he said, yeah, I have to <laughs> tape something later. But he says because he says something that he thinks is going to trigger her. He says, have you heard this about Ted Bundy? He called his dog Lassie. Have you heard this? And if a weird guy talks about Ted Bundy in the middle of the night while you're in his apartment, you might be like, oh, no. And she goes, who's Ted Bundy? And he's like, forget it. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, immediately yeah. just kills He wants the to play the game and he's yes, like, ah, she I'm won't play the, She won't run. She wouldn't run because, no. of course not. She's, there's something there between them. There's, mm. it's, it's a really kind of interesting. He talks about wanting to marry her, right? He does. He and will. There's, will. there's a version in the Book. Oh, he's talk- that's talking about Reese Witherspoon, isn't it? Uh, my so-called fiance. Maybe, but there's apologies. the reason I've said yes is because in the book there were like some follow-ups that Brett Easton Ellis wrote. I can't remember if he posted them online or something, but they do get married in the the canon of the book afterwards, mm. and he ends up with her, and he has a kid, and he's like not that into it, and it just kind of like makes his whole life even more shallow. But yeah, Reese Witherspoon is in this movie as yeah. well. Very strange, but she's funny. Her and, um, and this is just before Legally Blonde. Yes, this like, is the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the guy that I'll she decides that. to go to law school because of. <laughs> Kara Seymour is the uh, the lady he picks up, Christy that he names off the street. The oh yes, girl. she's wonderful as well. But it's also uh, uh, Genevieve or Guinevere. I'm not too sure how to pronounce her name. Uh, it's Guinevere. Guinevere Turner, Guinevere Turner, and she's Elizabeth, who's one of the last girls that he brings to his apartment at the end, and she co-wrote the movie. As well, and she's yeah. like, and she's big, that's the, that's the one where he's going down on her and bites something, and then just it, face is covered in blood. eating her. Yeah, which oh, is it's pretty crazy. Were but they 
cousins? Did I? No, no. He, he says that Kara Seymour, like she asks him. She's my uh, So who's this cousin. girl that you've brought round? And he says it's my cousin. Right. And okay. she's like, oh, okay, yeah. But it's the, the thing I think I was saying ages ago and I didn't quite get to is that Mary Harron and probably other women who were directing this film at this time would have probably been tempted to have smart and heroic or I don't know, like some sort of female character who represented some ideal that had a scene where they got something back at Patrick Bateman yeah. and they managed to stand up. And she was like, no, the women in this are shallow as well and they're oblivious because the men and the women are. It doesn't mean that this isn't a critique of like the patriarchy and what's going on with Patrick and all the other men in this. But apart from Jean, who's simple, like she's nice but she's kind of so simple naive. and naive, yeah. all the women in this suck as well. <laughs> like Reese Witherspoon fucking sucks in this movie. Their breakup is so funny when he breaks <laughs> up with her because he, and he's just like, I'm sorry, I just... You're not terribly important to me. <laughs> I don't think we have anything in common. No, your friends are my friends. We can't do it. I, I, I thought about that. You can have them. <laughs> like, he's just so checked out with her. And then- but also she's not really checked in. Like I know she sort of goes, I can't believe you're doing this. It's the but- status she's losing. Absolutely. That upsets her. In that so moment. funny. Yeah. And there's like, I've got to return some videotapes. The got to return some videotapes is very funny when Lewis Carruthers. I don't think it's that funny. I think it's funny because it keeps. If he said it once, you're just like, that's weird. But But it's the most interesting thing he has to say about his life. Yes. Like his routine. Yeah. It's just I I hire out videos. That's it. That's all he can really tell people about himself. That's actually a good point. What else is he going to say? Someone else would be like, I have a business meeting or I have this. That's it. I have to return some videotapes. But he also also says, I've got a lunch meeting. And it's like, it's when um, Willem Dafoe's in his office. I've got a lunch meeting uptown. And. We've known from the earlier in that scene that it's ten thirty a.m. Mm. You know, it's ten thirty. You got a brunch meeting, maybe. He just he's it's not the equivalent meeting. of saying I've got to see a man about a dog. Sure, like, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's just a thing to say. He's not very good at this. I no, think well, that's the ultimate thing. When he gets asked, "When was the last time you saw Paul Allen?" and he's like, "Oh, uh, we just come from a matinee of." Uh, a new musical. Oh, Africa, Brave Africa. It was a laugh riot. <laughs> it's like, what is any of that? <laughs> Fuck, it's so funny listening to him try to cover his tracks. And then moments where Willem Dafoe's just like, that's not what I have. Well, we, we, uh, what, what, what do you, what you have? have? And when they go out to lunch, he's literally just asking him like, well, what do you think? And he's just asking Willem Dafoe to give. And, and he's sweating. Willem he's, Dafoe gives him the out. And he's like, yeah. and you were there. And he's like. Oh, of course. course. I I, I must have went out to dinner the next night. Uh, Also, going back to the musicals, the first scene, um, he's taken a whiz, I think, in the morning. Anyway, in front of a lay Miz poster. Why does he have a lay Miz poster? Well, same reason he has Whitney Houston, Huey Lewis and uh, fucking uh, Phil Collins because I think the way that people use pop culture, the way that we use it as people who are obviously very into pop culture, whether it's movies or music or stuff, is we have some innate understanding of humanity and we come at that through, I hope, yes, we're all pointing at Frank, maybe, but. Can, <laughs> can you hear no, the people sing, singing <laughs> songs of angry men? Lamez <laughs> is the worst. But I think we all, all, we, we all have stop. some... Basic sensibility of what it means to be a person, because that's what I thought you were pointing at me for, saying that I didn't know what it means to be a person. That's what I was saying. Yeah, lizard no, man over there should have been should have been this way. <laughs> but but I think pop culture allows us to explore that and then share that with other people and go, what what was your interpretation of this and did you get that? Obviously, the whole reason we're here, right? Hmm. And it's coming from a base fundamental understanding of that humanity that we share. 
And he doesn't use pop culture that way because he doesn't fucking get what it means to be human. So he uses that entirely as his benchmark and his ability to interpretate people. Interpretate. <laughs> Interpret. <laughs> people words. People words. <laughs> he uses pop culture and music as a way to try and actually get at what it means to be a person because he doesn't have any other access point. He lacks the empathy. He lacks the general connectiveness and the tissue that should through like some sort of osmosis or whatever get to the feeling and the essence of people. And it's why one of the funniest moments in the movie is when he's like heartfelt, sadly monologuing about Whitney Houston and Elizabeth's like, wait, you own a Whitney Houston CD? More than one? <laughs> She's just like, you're a fucking loser, dude. <laughs> it's the 80s. It's not cool to listen to Whitney Houston. My mum listens to Whitney Houston. But he's like, no, this is this is what people do, right? They listen. And when he's talking with the call girls about Phil Collins and they're just like, dude, what are you talking about? Mm. Like you're narrating a pop album to us and in between giving us instructions on like what to do sexually. I'm convinced that Mark Zuckerberg... <laughs> Is the new Patrick Bateman. There's something there. That there's guys <laughs> who become go into the corporate world, they have one good idea, it fucking catapults them, and then they go, <laughs> we've got a new idea. We're going to make meta so that you can work from home but it feels like the office and we're going to give you legs. That's what people like, right? Legs. I'm not a lizard. And it's like, you're a fucking lizard, dude. You are a lizard. He's sitting there with Tom from MySpace. Yes. He's got a song on his profile. <laughs> don't, don't slander Tom. That's a perfectly good <laughs> asshole there. It's not going to eat itself. Yes. Oh, don't just what stare at it. Eat it. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's really compelling. Oh, my God. I have, which is my, you know, fucking uh, catchphrase, at least three or four more things to say. Someone say something else for a little while, please. It, it's, it's lines like that that I found myself laughing at. I'm like, oh, uh, is this a comedy? But then I was watching other scenes and I'm going, no, it's, it's not, or not in the conventional way. Mm. And so I was just back and forth. Throughout the, throughout the whole film and that's sort of when I got to the end of it. I'm like, yeah, I need to watch this again but I just don't want to or not, not at the moment. I, I feel don't. like, I've, yeah, I feel the same way. It's such a up and down film because it is it hits hard. It, like some of the scenes are really traumatic and then some of the lines are so funny. Like again, when he's dancing to Huey Lewis in his raincoat and doing his little shuffle, hilarious. <laughs> but I feel like at the end... It lands on a nondescript sort of note. You go, am I meant to be, do I walk out of here with a smile or do I walk out of here going, oh, no, he was a murderer, oh, that was bad or like what do I feel right now? Yeah, that that lack of consequence doesn't really make it feel like an ending. No, and if, they, if they'd leaned into that and said, like I don't know, like maybe he goes out and does one more ridiculous kill or whatever it is, something you go, ah, he's, he's not learning anything and, and it goes heavy on that. I might have gone, oh, <laughs> didn't learn anything. That's he questions funny. his sanity at multiple moments in the film. Too, An ATM so. asks him to feed it a cat. Yeah. He's like, insane by the end of this he's movie. Not, in fact, he's not even really a reliable narrator of this film. Exactly. No, he's of course not. Entirely but, unreliable narrator in this and the book, definitely. But yeah. that's, like, I know that's maybe the point, but it's like, yeah, I find it, I <laughs> find it unrewarding as an audience member to it's go. That's the point. It's the point. Yeah, but that's I the point. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, I don't like the point. I, I know that I said in our Joker episode how much I'm so uninterested basically every time there is a conversation about, and you guys were talking about this like 30 minutes ago, whether it's in their head or it's real. 
Mm. And this is the only movie I can think of where I care about that question because, as I think Frank pointed out, if this is not real, that's terrifying. Like, oh, wait, (laughs) scratch that. As Frank said, (laughs) if this is real, that's terrifying. The scarier version of this is he did do it all. And it's not in his head. It's one of the only ones where it's like most Doesn't of the time. Doesn't that go without saying? But no, most movies I think they have a little bit of a like, oh, if it is in their head, well, then what does that mean? But at least those those people, you know, didn't die or, or yeah, all this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, at least there's no no murders have happened. There's, or but if no it is danger. real, the real estate agent is complicit. His lawyer is complicit. Everyone's just keeping the ball rolling. Everyone yeah. is com- is complicit and it's scary for that reason. Mm. I think I've, I've, I've not articulated this too well, but basically it's oh. it's scary in other movies that it might be in their head because then they're crazy and it's like that's a really upsetting thing to think that we've been put in this person's point of view for so long and they're crazy and what have we seen or what haven't we. But this one is like... God, please let it not be real on some level. Like, and I love being left with that ambiguity because, yeah, when he's talking to that lawyer at that en- the end, when he's talking to the real estate agent, it's just everyone being like, "It's okay, we got this, buddy." Like, yeah, mm. we know you had a rough week. We 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 dealt with it. And it's like <laughs> that's terrifying mm. that everyone just went, "No, we, we all do this sometimes." Don't and worry is, about is it. that what you think it is, or is that what I you don't? Hope I it love. Is? I love that that's the ending and it's one of, again, the only ambiguous endings in that way where I go, ah, oh, that's fun to me. What do, you, what do you believe though? What do you believe? I know there are certain parts of it. When he's shooting the cop cars and they explode and one of my favourite reaction shots in the movie, Christian Bale just looks at his pistol like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just blew up two cop cars He's also this. He's also like, a remarkably good shot. Yes. He always just walks in and goes bang and he kills whoever he needs to kill. Yeah. And then him walking into one of my favourite bits of physical comedy and dark humour in the movies when he walks into the wrong office building and the guy <laughs> behind the counter is just like, ah, burning the midnight oil, Mr. Smith, don't forget to sign in. Bang, yeah. shoots him, runs out and That's goes it. to and another then, one. then goes to the next Come. office building, he looks like he's going to get his gun out gets and then gun. gets his pen and signs in. That's why there's a difference between hallucination and fantasy. That's why I think this is more fantasy driven as opposed to he hallucinated everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it plays into what Frank said earlier what's, about the things the that he's- What's the difference? Well, a hallucination is something that you think is real and a fantasy is something that you can accept as. No, yeah, but like what's the difference for us as an audience member? If he is running around the city going pew, 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 pew uh, as a crazy person in his underpants. It's like when you have an argument with someone and then, no, hold on, what? Calm down. <laughs> I'm not having Frank's an argument. Frank's the nicest person you'd ever no. met. He's never had an argument. <laughs> it's, like, it's like having an argument with someone and then you walk away and 10 minutes later you go, oh, I should have said this, this and this. That's, how is that relevant to Because this? it's like at the time it's like he's like he, that's what he wants to do. In a perfect world he'd just pull the gun out and blow that guy's fucking No, but okay, off. but at the end of but the- But instead m- he just walked past and kind of nods and goes, okay, and keeps walking. Yeah, but at the that's end of the, the film, if it's a hallucination or a, a fantasy- Either way, it's not real. We're still at the end point where he's that's it confessing to a murder. Yeah, I don't think that's relevant. I think I guess we're getting in the weeds here a little bit. Like the, a fantasy would be a little bit more elevated and kind of ecstatic and jubilant and blowing up be, the cop cars is not like like happy and yeah, joyful. but how, that doesn't change. He's frightened. That doesn't change the outcome. No, I suppose not. I suppose I I guess you're right that there's a fan, that there are fantasies. These maybe this is it. These have been fantasies that have worked for him up to this point. 
because he obviously enjoys this to an extent and it's mm. why he watches hardcore porn. It's why he watches Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, of course, how does he kill the last person he kills in this movie? He drops a chainsaw on them. Mm. I don't think that's real and I think it is at the same time and it doesn't bother me that those, the Schrodinger of it, it doesn't really bother me. That's one of my favourite elements sure. of this movie that I'm like, yeah, he totally dropped that chainsaw that's but also he saw that at a movie so fucking maybe he didn't. Some I don't know. of the things are so outlandish. Well, there's yeah. no way that chainsaw landed in her well, spine. Right. Like. But then what's your answer to that is what I'm saying. Frank's like, really certain about this. The, the, the chainsaw thing is a fantasy. Everything else is real. No, <laughs> I, I, at the end of the film, I thought it's all real and they're all just complicit and they don't care and there's no cool. consequence. Regardless of how unlikely it is that all this actually happened, I feel like at least that's how I wanted it to be. At least, at least that makes a statement, you know, that... People are people are messed up, and, and regardless of what you're going to do, you know, as long as you're wealthy and good looking, you're fine. The ultimate revelation being, as much as the whole time he's pitted himself as or, or positioned himself as someone who does not feel is apathetic to humanity, he's the most hypersensitive of everyone because he can't deal with this guilt, and he needs to confess this. And everyone around him's like, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." It's fine. It's fine, yeah. man. Please mm. calm the fuck down. And he's also and really he's reactive the, emotionally. He's the only one who feels. So he's like, oh, this is why I'm weird because none of you feel anything. And I'm feeling this shit day in, day out. I'm like a raw, exposed nerve. And you all are just coping. Like and he has, nothing he has matters that to you. Extreme reaction to the business cards. Yes. That's not a, that's not a sociopath. Yes. An extreme reaction to the idea that someone might be dead and the lawyer just being like calm and collected and going down. By the way, best meme of. I don't know, top five memes of all time is the it's not possible, why not, you stupid bastard? Like when he asks him that and if you guys have seen, there's like photos people have put together of like a car and it's got a magnet in front of it and if you like hang a magnet from a car and put a magnet like that, the car could drive itself <laughs> and then people just underneath <laughs> being like, it's just not possible, why not, you stupid bastard? <laughs> like, I love those memes so much. They're so funny and, yeah, funny. I think that's a really iconic moment. I think my favourite meme is when it, one of the Justin Thoreau characters is talking about someone who's got a great ass. And Christian Bowers goes, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Just does that face. His, how ooh. about his impression of Jared Leto when he's leaving the answering <laughs> machine and he turns into Elvis? Hi, it's Paul. I'm going to be away for a few few days. It's like, what are you doing there? Who was that? Who was that, right that, was, that was meant to be Elvis. I <laughs> fucked it up. Wait, let me try again. Uh, baby girl. No, I'm done. <laughs> but yes. Baby girl. Baby girl. His impression of Paul Allen, Jared Leto is... Woeful. woeful. And that's really why bad. it's funnier that it's like I whether it's a fantasy or not, someone hears that and goes, ah, someone's killed Paul. I guess we all just have to pretend we it just didn't believe happen. Voicemail must be real, guys. Yes. That's real. Um, his f- uh, phone call confession is the last thing I want to talk about um, and then obviously if anyone else has anything else. But I know I've talked about it a lot because I love this movie. Uh, I'd probably give him an Oscar for this performance and that scene is insane. When he's up in the office Agreed. and he's pulled down. Any nominations? No, no, no Oscars. No, Oscars. no nominations or anything. Which, I mean, it was an incredibly, not only the content of it, the way this movie was marketed, people thought it was a slasher film because the scenes of him chasing Kara Seymour with a chainsaw mm. was the biggest part of the marketing. 
and everyone's like, "Oh, that's the whole movie." And, and it's like the, that's the posters, way- the posters him, him with a knife, with a knife, and it's like a reflection in the mm. knife of oh, it's a people face. like oh, it's a slasher movie. Mm. It's twenty yeah. seconds that, and it's a psychological you know treatise. And like you said, it's, like it's a one. seven million dollar budget. Like it's tiny. Makes it's thirty. Small. Like it's, it's for the yeah for the ooh, mm. for the like controversy surrounding it builds up. But yeah, his sweaty call to his lawyer. And just confessing all these things and the amount of emotions he goes through in what is just that one shot close up on him where he confesses to all the killings. And he has a minute where he gets hitched. When he confesses to Paul Allen, he's so proud. Like everyone else he's at, he's like, and Paul Allen, I killed Paul Allen. Yeah, <laughs> he's he- riding in a bathtub. Like he's so happy that's the only victory he has because the rest of the time he needs to take it out on black homeless people or dogs or women because he's like, well, I'm above them anyway. But when I kill this guy, it's a status thing. Yeah, I'm better than Because everyone thought Paul Allen was better than that's me. That's it. And, I and I've, I've assumed his identity. I've taken his apartment. That- but then when he talks about eating the brains mm. and he just gets that little hitch and he's like, I ate some of their brains. Like, oh, God, it makes me so ill. But you know... Mm. They did <sighs> twenty something takes of that scene. I and like and just no. It's can you imagine? Because apparently, the the tidbit is that Mary Harron was like, "You just keep getting better and better. It's going to keep going. Give him some coffee. Let's do it again." And he just, I mean, can you imagine the spiral you'd be going down as an actor doing that monologue twenty times in a day, mm. trying to reach that emotional point and just. Oh, you'd just be a frayed nerve. You would you just see those be... choices that only happen on the 20th take. Where yes. he's just like, had to kill a lot of people. Like it's like, whoa. The, the dynamic it goes there? through, it's so large and then it, he brings it right back. Keep your eyes open. Oh. Oh. It, that is, yeah, it's masterful. It's An a masterful, incredible piece of acting. The word masterful getting thrown out. Yeah, right. for Christian Bale, not for the film. Interesting. Not for the film. I'm not throwing nothing, just, yeah. But yeah. I know, I know. Even more so than usual for a movie I love. I know I've taken a lot here, guys. So I'm sorry, no. but it's a fucking. Don't be sorry. That was actually that's just one of the times that I I let you speak and I finally enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> what is this <laughs> episode 27, 28, something like that? Forty five. I, I don't yeah, know. I, don't I can't know. count that. We're huh? used finally to finally starting to accept Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so is anyone um, going to throw anything? I guess I will. I'll go oh. to a 6.6. Through the pillies up in yeah, the Yeah, I liked it. Well, I mean, I'm curious about Chris. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to check back in with you guys in like a year. Let's say this time next year I'm going to watch it again with this and I'll re-listen to the pod and then I'll watch it again with mm. this info and then I'll get back to you. Okay, so it's, okay. A, it's a, a ghost echo of you're sitting on a... Uh, it's right down the middle with six. <laughs> it's a cringe <laughs> look on Tom's it's a right face down Which is what it's happens when you cut 11 in half <laughs> That's it, alright So you two, anyone? No, I'm, I'm going to just bump up to nine Because I love listening to Thomas listen, uh, talk Great. Throw in the Yeah, you're throwing it in, I love it mm. Great. 11 <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not giving you anything <laughs> Give me give something another one. What do you want? Give, uh, me. give me a Wait, I'll give you a sound bite For when I'm on 11 I stay on 11 Here we go That's my 11 No, stop no. That's my level. No, I like the volume, but just get back from the mic. Oh, okay, back again. All right, one more time. Ready? And that's my level. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. Oh. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for putting up with that. That's um, my level. That being Tom. Why do you let him do it? That was the house lights coming on. <laughs> like, get the fuck out. Get out. Done. We're done. It's been a great show. Chris solved the Rubik's Cube and... Um, oh. 
Justin Thomas screamed a lot as yeah. per sorry. Through in the pan. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to American Psycho, the episode on From in the Power of the Podcast. Uh, my name is uh, Marcus. <laughs> Frank. My name's Tom. I'm Christopher. And we're all Australian, but we're all just a little bit... Psycho. Psycho.